All right, this morning's panel is sponsored by Moses and Schreiber, one of our wonderful sponsors here at the New York Lounge. Thank you so much to Moses and Schreiber. Um, our panel this morning is Moneyball Production Accounting and Related Business Essentials, moderated by Ken Weinrib from FWRV, another one of our wonderful sponsors here at the New York Lounge. I'm about to introduce Ken, so please, everyone, if you're having a conversation, please take it outside or to the back room or have a seat if you'd like to stay for our panel. Without further ado, Ken Weinrib. Test. Okay. Morning. Morning. This is the Moneyball Production Accounting and Related Business Essentials <laughs> panel. Uh, welcome. Thanks to NIPA for uh, hosting this, this, uh, this week of great events, and thanks to all of our sponsors, in particular Moses and Schreiber for today. Um, Gary Schreiber. Uh, was going to be on the panel, but he had an emergency, actually had to fly back to New York, so he sends everyone his best. He is an expert, uh, is a CPA, an expert at all the tax implications of uh, film finance and um, uh, crowdsourcing, all the issues that are going to be related to financing a film, and unfortunately he's not here, so we're going to do our best to give you all the other issues that you'll be considering. Um, first, we have a wonderful panel. Uh, my colleague Julie Angel to my immediate left, uh, Julie Knives to her left, Patricia Bury to her left, and Joe Kianese. Right. I did it right. <laughs> and that was not as easy as it sounded. Yeah. Uh, th first, I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves a little bit more, tell you a little bit about them before we jump into the panel and the presentation. Is this on? It is on. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Julie Angel. Um, I'm an entertainment attorney with Franklin Weinrib. I work with Ken and Steve Beer. Uh, I represent independent film producers, directors, authors, financiers, um, all aspects of development, financing, production, distribution. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about sort of the um, corporate basics of how to get your film project up and running and also um, film finance. Hi, I'm Julie Knives. Uh, sorry about my voice, but <laughs> it's been a lot, long Sundance so far. Um, I run a company named, uh, called Miracle Management, and what we do is we provide business management, uh, business fairs, uh, accounting, all kinds of practical advice to filmmakers, producers, writers, directors uh, in the indie film area, including documentaries. Uh, and really give hands-on service to prevent a lot of the uh, pitfalls that occur to uh, independent productions. So we really run the gamut. We know all stages, including development, pre-production, production, and especially uh, post-production and distribution, which is really one of the things I'm also going to address because people really don't take into account the full process and what it entails. My name is Patricia Bury. I uh, own Bury Productions. Uh, my focus is on films around 300,000 to a million. Uh, I've, I've recently really focused uh, strongly on line producing and budgets and the budget process. Uh, and I'd like to brag that once a film is completed and wrapped, 
and into distribution, my budgets are at 98%. So I'm a big hawk on I'm a big hawk on keeping your planning well and keeping your expenses down. Thank you. Hi. Wow. Anyway, I'm Joe Kinese, and I represent EP Financial Solutions, which is a division of Entertainment Partners. And my group is a full-service production incentives group, so we do a variety of things. We actually track all the domestic and international legislation, and we provide that information to our clients and the industry through a variety of sources. In the back of the room, there's actually our most recent incentive guide, so if you haven't picked one up, please do. We maintain a website, which also keeps a current list of all the legislation, but more importantly than that, we actually consult with clients and actually help them figure out where to go and why as it relates to incentives. In addition to that, we can come in and actually vet your budget and estimate your incentive for you. We can actually finance the credit up front if you need to cash flow the credit to get your film financed. We also help you sell your credits if they're in transferable states. So we do a variety of things. But as I mentioned, EP Financial Solutions is a division of Entertainment Partners, which is a you know, production payroll company. In addition, we provide movie magic budgeting. And most recently, as a result of the Affordable Care Act, we actually are now offering production uh, insurance for independent producers in order for them to become compliant under the new Affordable Care Act. So we truly are a full-service production service company for the industry. Terrific. Um, if we hear some music next door, there's, uh, uh, some, there's a sound check going on. So we'll try to speak, we'll try to speak over them. Um, so yesterday, I think yesterday we had a panel on production and we talked about development, acquiring all the rights, uh, uh, a little bit about budgeting, but basically getting ready for what we're about to do today, which is I've got my director, I've got my cast, I've got my uh, chain of title and my script, now I need money. So Julie, when a client comes to you, they have all of these necessary ingredients ready to go, but they need to look, I'll give, you the, I'll give it to you, and they need to, to, to find some money, and they're about to raise some money. What are the things that you speak about in your process with them? Sure, well hopefully they've called me before they have their director deal in place, their acting deals in place, their, their money in hand. Uh, you know, one of the first things people call me to ask about is do I need a separate LLC? When do I set up my separate LLC? Um, why do I need it? And you know, there's a lot of different considerations to take into place, but um, getting really granular, you do, you know, you're always going to want a separate business entity for your film project. When you set that up depends on a variety of different factors. You know, I'd say the drop dead date is the date you're ready to take in money from outside investors. Um, but you might want to do it when you acquire the rights to screenplay. You might want to do it when you're putting together your deal with your co-producer. Um, but it's really important when you're looking at financing to have a separate legal entity. It will primarily, it's meant to protect you from personal liability. You don't want to take money from people, promising them certain things potentially. Um, if things go awry, you don't want them to have a legal claim against you as an individual. You want to make sure that that's in a separate entity that doesn't have very many assets. You also don't want to take money into maybe a development LLC you have for a variety of different projects, because then likewise those projects are going to be potentially exposed to claims from third parties. So um, first thing to do when you're um, thinking about bringing in money is to set up that separate entity. And it's, you know, it is a little bit of an upfront cost, but it's um, definitely well worth it, so. Um, Julie, we have two Julie, sorry about that, Julie Knives. Um, in, in, in raising money, when clients come to you, what are the pitfalls that you often see, um, you know, from, from you know, they, they come in, they're excited, they've got people who want to give them money, what, hap what happens often? Well, I, I first want to just back up for one minute and just make sure that the budget that you're 
working with and the budget that you're telling these investors is has contingencies, has, has really been thought out because the worst thing to do is to go to investors, tell them you need a certain amount of money and then you run out of money either halfway or through post or you don't have enough money for or haven't thought through deliverables or distribution. So that, I just want to give that as a little preface because very often people come to us and it's already, they're already in the process. There also are various promises that are made and this is some of the things that somebody like Julie would really flesh out in whatever agreement is done with the investors and she'll talk to you a little bit about accredited investors and all of that issue. But you really have to think through what you're promising to these people, what um, what, are the, what, what is the likelihood that this money is, is going to ever be returned? And these are the kind of verbal promises you don't necessarily want to make to investors. It's a risky investment. As long as they're on board, they may or may not be knowledgeable about the business, but as, as long as they've been told accordingly, I think that's an important legal point. The only thing I'm just going to add is uh, uh, when you're taking money, an investment, if you don't do it in accordance with the laws, there are civil and criminal penalties. So it's not like you can just kind of loosey-goosey do the whole thing of raising money and I'll figure it out later. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. So we'll just jump into sort of what he's talking about. It's basically when you take in money from third-party investors, you know, you're, um, you have to do it in accordance with, you're basically selling securities to people. You have to do it in accordance with SEC guidelines. And there are guidelines that are meant to allow that for, you know, small businesses and independent filmmakers. Um, but you need to, you know, it's very important to think about who your investors are and what, types of, what type of information you're giving them. So, you know, if you call me, I'm going to ask immediately, like, who are your potential investors? What's your budget? Is it one large investor? Is it a variety of investors? Where do they live? Um, what's your timing for when you're bringing this money in? And what I'm going to um, really impress upon you is you really want to stick to what Julie referred to as accredited investors. These are people that make... Um, they have a net worth of at least a million dollars, excluding the value of their uh, primary residence. People that maybe make $200,000 a year for the last two fiscal years, a reasonable expectation of making that in the next year. Real high net worth in types of individuals. Um, if you stick to those types of people, the type of information you need to give them is much less burdensome than if you are going out to um, people that sort of really can't afford to make this investment and can't afford to lose their investment. So. Um, the second most important thing is under the SEC guidelines, you do need to give a certain baseline level of information, and I think we'll all get into this today, but you know, your budget, flushing that out completely from day one is not only gonna help you get your production done, but it's gonna protect you from, from exposure from these investors when that budget, you know, when they have questions or when you wanna make sure you can deliver on that budget. You also are gonna wanna deliver, you know, give a synopsis to them and bios of your key casting crew, like really get a business plan together um, from day one, it's going to help you. You need it for SEC guidelines, but you're also going to need it for everything else. So, uh, Patricia, we've talked, you know, about this a little bit. We've mentioned the importance of budgets, but just give us a little bit more detail of the things that you, when you're preparing budgets with a lawyer for the financing documents, what you're making sure to put in there. Right. So I find that a lot of first-time filmmakers come to me and thank you. I find that a lot of first-time filmmakers come to me and all they're thinking about is how much it's going to cost to shoot their movie. They're not thinking about pickups. They're not thinking about posts. They're not thinking about uh, E&O insurance, publicity, marketing, um, the deliverables. All of that is a is a big big chunk of money that they think about 
well, I'll, I'll get that from my tax credit, or I'll, I'll, I'll raise that later, or uh, um, uh, you know, they want to spend all the money they have in their pa pockets on the production itself without really thinking about that. And I've been spending a lot of time counseling young filmmakers, please, please, really look at the full picture of how much your film is going to cost from beginning to end so that you don't have to go back and do some of the sticky uh, second round of financing that you have to do. You don't, you don't disappoint the people who've given you the money, nor do you get into any kind of legal entanglements on that. So my focus has been on counseling young filmmakers to really do a comprehensive budget from development through distribution. Uh. <laughs> So we're in a little bit of a competition here, but hopefully it'll end because it's a I, sound I forgot, check. I forgot music rights as well. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Uh, so there are, we've talked very briefly, but there are a variety of sources to finance your film. Equity, which we've talked about, which is uh, people who are making an investment, expecting a return on their investment. There are tax credits where the state is either going to give you a credit or a rebate in actual cash. There's crowdsourcing, which we've talked about in another one of the panels. There's, there's uh, gap debt, which we're not going to really get into, but it's, uh, you know, just, I guess, know it's available, that you can borrow money at times to cover a gap. You have to, when you do that, it's, you know, you have to have security, so it's complicated with your equity investors and who's going to have priority. And there's also foreign sales, right? So that you get a sales agent goes and sells individual territories, and then you have to bank that. But what we're really focused on today is the whole notion of tax in, is uh, incentives, where individual states will give you money. And Joe really is an expert. So Joe, when you're, you know, people come to you, what are the issues that you're addressing with them? Well, the, the first issue that I really like to address everyone is the issue of certainty. Um, there are probably around 40 U.S. states offering different types of incentives, maybe 35 countries. But the first starting point is to make sure you understand where the legislation sits. And what I mean by that, these laws change all the time. So you want to make sure that you're going into a jurisdiction, that the law is going to remain in effect while you're there, and there's not going to be either a change in law or a change in funding while you're there. And one specific example comes to mind a couple of years ago in Connecticut, um, in June, I think it was 2013, they announced effective July 1st of the same year, they were no longer going to allow film to qualify. So if you're a producer budgeting for a film in Connecticut, unless you started production before July 1st, you would have found out after starting to spend money that you could not qualify for the Connecticut incentive because they had changed the rule and it was for television only. And it was supposedly a two-year suspension, but that suspension is, is still in place. So that's an example. You know, other states, like for example, North Carolina, for the last over 10 years, was a very lucrative incentive program. Effective this year, what changed? Well, on paper, it still went from a 25% refundable tax credit to a 25% grant. You're like, okay, nothing changed. One big change, the program was unfunded before. Now they only have $10 million a year to give away. That's huge, because that money will go away very quickly. Once you get the certainty of the legislation under your belt, you need to understand what type of incentive. I think people like to use the word tax incentive. Not every one of these programs are tax incentives. There are cash grants and rebates that have nothing to do with taxes, nothing to do with tax returns. There are probably about nine or 10 jurisdictions here in the US that issue those types of rebates or grants. That money back comes back relatively quickly, sometimes within 60 days at the completion of principal photography. So they're probably the least complicated. You still have to meet minimum spend requirements and your information is usually audited by somebody within the state, but then the state just cuts you a check. 
Then there are refundable tax credits, which I'm going to come back to, because sometimes that might be the longest to get back, because most states require that you file your tax return on a statutory due date. And what it means by that is, now remember this came up in Michigan a couple of years ago. Michigan, about five or six years ago, was offering a 42% tax credit. Everyone was very excited by it, but they also wondered, how could Michigan afford it? So when Michigan wasn't turning around the money really quickly, producers were saying, oh, they don't have the money. The reality was that if you were filming in January, February, or March of, let's say, 2015, statutorily, you couldn't file your, your tax return until 2016 under the law. So the state was not delinquent. You just weren't allowed to file your tax return. So you need to understand that when it comes to refundable tax returns or credits, a lot of states wait for you, the statutory due date. Now, you can plan for that. You can set up certain year ends to make sure you're not stuck with a full calendar year and having to wait anywhere from 12 to 24 months to get uh, your tax return filed. But you need to keep that in mind. And then there are transferable tax credits, which after rebates, I find the easiest because there is no tax return that needs to be filed. Once you meet the state requirements, once you spend your money, once the state audits that information, sometimes the state does it themselves, sometimes they require that you use a CPA, the state issues you a certificate, and then you can turn around and sell that tax credit to another taxpayer. You could sometimes arrange that buyer even before you spend the money. And when that becomes important is if you're going to finance that credit up front, we, because we do that at our company, we also encourage, in fact, we require it, that we identify a buyer up front so we know that when that credit comes back in, we can cash flow it, and then as, as the producer, you can return uh, the money back to us. Beyond that, it's really a matter of funding out by state or by country what qualifies, residents, non-residents, above the line, below the line, in-state spend, all spend, those are the, the, the issues that I deal with. Right, but just as a summary, mm -hmm. you have a $500,000 budget, um, you're gonna shoot in New York, and you're gonna get the tax credit, how long is it gonna to take to get the cash? You know, the law is changing, so just address that, because so, you have a 500, you're a producer, you have a $500,000 budget, and you need to spend that money, you've got, let's say, a six week shoot, and then you've got post, and you're gonna need that money. So this is about cash flow, and that's why when Joe's talking about, it, they'll bank that for you. If you have $125,000 uh, incentive, you have an incentive, but you don't have the cash. So right. just take us through the process. Well, if sure. you would. So uh, under your, your example, you have a $500,000 budget. So you can't just say, I have a $500,000 budget. New York gives you 30%. Boom, I'm, I'm getting a $150,000 credit. It's not that simple. If you go outside the New York metropolitan area, your credit's 35%. If you even go further upstate, Nora, is as high as 40%. Before you even get to the point of financing, you need to know what qualifies. So we'll help you break down the budget. Also know that within New York State, for example, your above the line doesn't qualify. So you're just going to get your, your below the line talent. We'll quantify the credit. Once we know what that credit is worth, we'll then we'll come in and we can cash flow anywhere between 85 and 95% of the anticipated value. But what we're talking about is timing, is that right now, under the current situation in New York, it's been taking up to 18 to 24 months to turn that all around. The real positive news is that New York has just instituted agreed upon audit procedures where you can bring in a third party CPA to audit that information instead of the state doing it, which is going to really expedite the process. But that's a very high level overview. But what you really need to do is work with Julie and set up the right structure for financing because I don't know if you have an opinion as to what's the preferred structure. Some people prefer LLCs, but 
If somebody's right. financing the New York City state credit, do you have a structure, C-Corp, LLC? Well, we always, what I didn't mention the, at the beginning was we always recommend, you know, we, we typically recommend LLCs, but we always say check with your accountant. And this is another reason, you know, get, every, get all your ducks in a row before you start bringing money in. If you're planning on using tax credits, your accountant may have a position on whether you use a corporation versus an LLC. Uh, another thing you're probably going to have to do is once you get your, you know, your financing entity set up, you're going to do your production out of a different LLC. Um, that's going to separate out, you know, that's for tax reasons as well, but also it's going to separate out those production, potential production liabilities and protect your main copyright asset that's going to be in your um, financing entity. Um, we've all, right, theoretically put together budgets, started casting, and you think your budget's $500,000, and you're talking to, that's what your anticipated budget is, you've worked with uh, Julie and Patricia, you kind of feel you're going to be able to shoot and deliver $500,000, you're now negotiating with cast. Your, the uh, reps for the cast, agents and lawyers say, you know, our clients used to make $2 million a film, you don't have that money, so what are you going to do for us? And there's a negotiation of uh, deferrals and things. This has an impact, Julie, uh, on what you're doing in setting up the financing. So would you just address that? Sure, yeah. So this comes back to what sort of information you're disclosing to your investors. So um, at day one, you're telling them it's a certain budget, and you're also giving them a certain waterfall. You're telling them where your gross receipts are going to be spent and, and at what point. Um, they're going to be able to see a return on their investment potentially. Now your cast is coming in and saying, whoa, 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 uh, I want to be paid before, you're before you pay back your investors. And if you didn't tell your investors that, you're going to have to go back and let them know. By the way, uh, we have a bit of a hiccup. Um, you're, now in, you're now sort of a step behind our cast, but you know, what you're going to have to tell them is that well, this movie's not going to get made or, or potentially isn't going to be commercially viable unless we get this certain cast. So it's in your investor's interest to, to take the step back and, uh, let the, in, and permit the, the deferrals for the talent. But um, it is a disclosure issue. If you don't tell them, then you know, you're, you're um, subjected to that potential liability again. You, you, don't wanna, you, know, you just want to be above board with everybody all the time because you, you are dealing with securities laws. So. I can mention something interesting just changed in Michigan because you're talking about deferred comp. So Michigan just changed their rules uh, effective January 1st, and one of the changes they've added to their incentive program is that contingent, the contingent comp for the next 12 years must be subject to withholding tax, and it can impact the, the producer's incentive. A way around that is requiring the, uh, the entity, the producing entity, uh, the loan out company to actually register in, in Michigan. So it relieves the, the producer of that obligation. But you need to be aware of those little nuances. So that's relatively new. But uh, we're talking about talent. Most talent typically works as a loan out company, which is a personal services company. And I, it's not that this is an issue, but a fact that you need to be to aware of is a variety of states that require withholding tax on any gross compensation that they are paid for their services. Not an issue. They shouldn't be upset by it. But as producers, you might hear, Either they push back or their, their lawyers or their accountants push back and say, we don't want to pay this withholding tax. No, in most jurisdictions, if that tax isn't paid, their compensation doesn't qualify. So these are, again, a lot of nuances that come up. Um, Julie, also, um, what problems are you seeing a lot with producers coming in uh, with um, you know, potential second rounds of financing because they didn't come to you uh, to talk about a budget to start with, residual obligations that they're going to have? I mean, how are you dealing with issues like that? 
Right, so one of the things that is very difficult um, is that everybody's really focused on production and nobody's really focused on how much it's gonna cost to finish, what kind of overages might happen and what the timing of the cash flow um, and how that dovetails with it. So some of the um, problems, uh, I mean, one, one issue, let's say, for example, is music clearance or any kind of archival clearance, depending on whether it's a doc or a feature film. There's all kinds of clearances that nobody really takes into account. And in order to, to uh, deliver a film, you're going to have to get E&O insurance. And this is a, a practical area that a lot of um, starting producers don't even think it through. First of all, they may not even know what's going to be going into the film until the very end um, or what they're going to even be able to get clearances for. But very often, that's one big area that people just, they do not realize how expensive some of these things are. And uh, basically, um, sometimes they are planning on certain things in a segment of their film and they're actually planning on that, that material to be in the film and they've got to now re-edit because they can't get it. They just, it's too expensive. And E&O insurance, which, um, you know, you will be working as well with a lawyer that's going to be signing off on it, but basically you will not be able to get your film distributed without an E&O insurance policy. Um, and the budgeting of that will also depend on the type of clearances you're going to need and how well you have done your clearance process. So that's just one example that of the, the latter part of the stage of, of um, produ producing a film that people don't take into account. It's a big pitfall. But also talk about uh, residuals, right? Because we've oh, now yes. just talked as an example, we've gotten cast, right? Cast that wants a deferral, they're gonna be SAG members, right? So SAG is a union, it requires residual obligations for the exploitation of the film. Whose obligations are those? And, and just address that br briefly, if you will. Yeah, would. now that's another um, issue that people don't take into account and is also dovetails with the whole distribution and collection process and what happens once the film is being distributed. Um, there is, uh, you know, and then this will also depend on whether you're using um, a payroll service such as Entertainment Partners, which actually can provide the service of paying residuals after the film has um, been released. Um, it, depending on your distributor, there is a thing called, you know, assumption uh, agreements. Some distributors will not do that nowadays, especially with indie films, and you can maybe address that a little bit. Uh, they take over the, um, the liability of, of paying the residuals and reporting the residuals. And there's good and bad things about that as well, but I, I don't want to get too far off course uh, because you do lose control over that. And then if there's an issue, basically, you, you, sometimes it comes back to haunt you as well later. But, but just, just think about the concept is that you as a production company, because right, Julie my immediate Julie, Angel, said that we've now set up two entities. We have a financing entity, we've got all our money in the financing entity, and we've set up a production entity. The production entity is gonna enter into all of the agreements with talent. So that production entity is now on the hook, and is also gonna sign up with SAG. That production entity is now on the hook for the residuals. So what Julie Knives was just saying is they go to the distributor and say, hey look, we've got these residual obligations, will you undertake these, will you assume them? That's the assumption agreement she's referring to. So now the distributor has taken these off your hands. If that doesn't happen, then just think about the process. This film is being distributed. You have television exploitation. You've got foreign exploitation. You have home video or streaming. Though each one of those exploitations uh, uh, has a corollary of a residual obligation. So if you're going to be on the hook for those as a producer because the distributor hasn't undertaken them, you've got to figure out how you're going to pay for that. And I just wanted to underscore that's what Julie w was referring to. Patricia, you mentioned a short while ago that the budgets that you are 
focusing on are generally under a million dollars. Is there a sweet spot that you're seeing and, and, and when you're focusing on a budget, are there considerations about what, uh, what is intended with this film uh, when you're thinking about putting together a budget? Yeah, it, it depends on what the, the filmmaker's goal is. Is this going to be a calling card for me and my team as my first film? And is this, am I going to plow a lot of money into this? Or do I need to pay back my investors and really cap the investment up front and make sure I hold the line on my expenses? Um, the SAG numbers, uh, you know, 200000 is the is the ultra-low budget threshold, and then you go on above that. So it, it changes your budget quite a bit. Uh, whether you're at a $200,000 threshold or at a three or four or $500,000 threshold. Um, I find that uh, the hardest thing for young filmmakers to do is to plan, again, the entire film through the deliverable if they're doing a $200,000 ultra-low-budget SAG. It's just really, really hard for them to, to think that through. So my sweet spot is taking a filmmaker and walking them through this process and explaining to them what their real costs are going to be through their debut out here at Sundance and um, uh, and helping them to understand that that they really need to take a big look at the big picture and cap their costs to be responsible to their investors uh, or um, be responsible in adding on things or adding the back-end deals for the for the great DP that they can't live without um, Things like that. So that's that's pretty much my sweet spot is is mentoring young filmmakers and keeping their budgets online. Are you finding, uh, Julie or Patricia, that when you're dealing with a producer and, and Patricia, you just mentioned the notion of a, a line producer you can't live without. But when you're producing a film for three hundred thousand dollars, you know there's very limited cash that you're able to uh, you know to expend on first-rate line producers, etc. So what, what ways are people, you know, are your clients negotiating uh, to get great talent? We talked about, you know, obviously actors, but w what about the rest of the key crew? Uh, well, there's various forms, and the, the, the most important thing is somebody's got to be keeping track of whatever these deals are going down or whatever's been promised. Uh, there are various, you know, there's deferred payments, there's back-end points, um, there's credit, different types of credit. You know, some people will do things to get maybe the next level of credit that they haven't gotten yet. And um, the, the main thing is that you don't give away the store too early because you never know uh, whether there may be an actor that you really need to promise a lot to or even money that comes later that you need to give a credit to. Uh, all kinds of producer credits are uh, very often given away, too many given away early uh, with certain um, implications that they're going to have a shared card or a single card. All these kind of things, somebody's got to really be looking out for and coordinating that. I don't know if you want to continue. Yeah, I, d <clears throat> I have a little different um, uh, take on the, my answer is a little different um, in that I think that one of the things that I really love about working in the New York film market is that People in the work, people working in this industry in New York are incredibly generous, and toss and mentor uh, younger talent and bring them up and give them opportunities. So, I often get referrals from line producers that are doing ten million dollar films that don't want to take on a million dollar film, uh, and that's a great way for me to find films. And then, in addition to that, I'm always nurturing young talent. And if I have a film that I think they can't afford me then I tell them that, and then I recommend that they've, I have a, couple, a whole Rolodex of people who really want to make their name and are willing to take a lower rate, 
And I usually will mentor them and work with them going forward and, uh, and establish a relationship. And then I've, I'm building my team as well. And I think that that's pretty common in the New York uh, producing uh, entity. I just wanted to chime in because <clears throat> I get a, a lot of phone calls about um, people giving away points and the point allocation and the profit pool and things like that. Um, and there seems to be a little bit of confusion sometimes about how many points there are and to whom they should be allocated. So just to be very clear about sort of what you're talking about, the points is the back end, the contingent compensation, one form of it. It's paid out after your investors are repaid, typically 20% on top of what they put into, into the film. Um, after that, 100% of the proceeds will be distributed 50% to investors and then 50% to your creative team, that's your profit pool. You have 50 points to give away. Um, and I think Ken can, can talk pretty clearly about uh, how often those cash is distributed under <laughs> um, out of that profit pool. I don't know if you want to do that now, but. <laughs> okay, well, before we do that, yeah. uh, uh, I want Joe, because again, a part of what's really important about putting together our budgets is finding where all of our money's coming from. So are there issues that you're seeing, Joe, with producers coming to that have a bunch of money but need tax credits that, problems that you see again and again that would be, you know, instructive for us? Again, it really sort of boils down to them. Oh, excuse me, one thing. Sure. I'm told that you guys need to speak closer to the microphone. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Because there's, this is being streamed okay. and people can't hear you. Okay. That's unusual that people can't hear me. So uh, um, I would say that the biggest issue, again, is timing and really understanding when you're going to get your money back. You know, I didn't really spend a lot of time talking about transferable tax credits, but it's really important, especially when you're budgeting, because, again, you're doing your budget. Again, very simplistically, $500,000 of qualified spend, 30% budget, $150,000 credit. Boom, in my budget, I have $150,000 credit. If it's in a transferable tax credit state, you're not going to get 100% of the dollar. You're going to get something less. And so you can work with a company like mine or other brokers who can tell you, one, what it's worth for budgeting purposes, so you can factor that into your budget, as well as try to find somebody to buy that credit from you as quickly as possible. There are some states like Louisiana and Massachusetts that the state guarantees a certain minimum amount. Louisiana will give you 85 cents on the dollar. Louisiana, I'm sorry, Massachusetts will give you 90 cents. And then you have California, which is a whole different animal. On paper, California is a non-transferable, non-refundable credit. So unless you have a California income tax or sales tax, it's really worthless, unless you're an independent producer. If you're an independent producer, you can get a 25% transferable tax credit only up to $10 million of, of California spent. But to also be an independent producer, you can't be a publicly traded company, and you can't be owned by, I can't remember the percentage, so I'll just say 50% by a publicly traded company. So again, really important factors when you're earning a credit, you have to make sure you can monetize it. You know, another big issue, we're talking about structuring in terms of financing. If you set up a company and the credit is being earned by a C corporation, and somehow that C corporation has to pass that credit up the chain to somebody, you can't. I mean, basically, that credit has to be used and earned by the C-Corp, or it's worthless. So make sure you understand the terms of what's a flow-through entity and what's not. But, but those are a lot of the issues that I'm dealing with. Okay. One other thing I want to mention, if Gary are here, uh, he would tell you that when you're doing, and I can't, but when you're part of where folks are getting their money is crowdsourcing a lot, right? 
there are tax implications to that. Just be aware of it. You need to be able to, and if Gary were here, he would tell you in great detail. But you need to be aware, when you're giving people something, if there's real value in what you're giving them, there's a potential tax implication. So again, it's, it's you know, we had a whole crowdsourcing panel that was amazing because it, it, it gave folks practical uh, applications of how to get money. I mean, practical examples of how to go out and get that money. But, but you have to know that there are tax ramifications for doing so. Um, can, I, can I ask a question? Please. Like, you mentioned if you're the producer, if you're the producer or giving something. But if, what if the investor is giving something to the producer? What is that? I mean, are they getting a piece, an equity interest in the film? Are they making a charitable contribution? And how can they be? These aren't charitable entities. So I think, is the other side of it that as a producer, you have to understand if somebody is giving you money, what is it? Is, I mean, it, I think, is it equity? Yeah, I mean, I think what Julie, well, let's it, 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 the answer is it depends, but it, you can certainly have someone give a, you know, donate services or, sorry, not donate, but they can get, provide services right. or right. equipment um, in exchange for, for an equity piece in, right. the, in the film. And, you, you know, that's another thing you want to show on your budget. You just want to be crystal clear with your investors where every dollar is coming from and whether that, you know, whether that donation of services is carving into their cash contribution and whether it's considered part of the same investment pool or not. But those are all decisions, you know, you can make at the time. And I would say if, if Gary was here, he would know the answer. But if somebody gives the producer something and you give them nothing back, what is that contribution the, to the producer? Yeah, yeah, there are, yeah, there's potential tax implications yeah. too. Nothing comes free. Nothing's free, That's including, kick, you know, Kickstarter. There, there, I know, again, I'm not, I'm not a tax expert, but the timing of when your when your um, donations come in uh, and the timing of when you spend it, if that crosses you know a fiscal year and a, and a tax deadline, then there's potential tax implications if you haven't started spending the money yet. So, right, things to think about. Absolutely, so absolutely. Just before we get into questions, Julie referred to one thing about uh, the waterfall of uh, um, you know gross receipts from your film. So I'm not going to go through a waterfall and what that looks like. But I, str I, I really strongly recommend that you, it's no longer applicable in some respects, but read the, um, um, some, you know, uh, uh, um, oh my God, I had the case in mind, the net profit, the proceeds uh, case. <laughs> Buckwald, thank you, Chimney Cricket. Uh, the Buckwald case. Why? It's a long case and you're not going to read the whole thing, so maybe read the summary. Why do you want to read that? Because it gives you a very clear analysis of what net proceeds is. Net proceeds is also going to apply. That waterfall that we've been referring to is also going to apply to your investors. Not every single example and not all the, 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 um, the deductions will be the same, but you have gross receipts. I'll just give you a quick example. You have a, a $5 million uh, box office in the U.S. Does that mean $5 million goes into gross receipts of the producer? Absolutely not. Because 50% of that, roughly, it's not exactly that, but let's just say for calculation, 50% of that is gonna to go to the distributor. So $2.5 million has already gone to the theaters. So if you're lucky enough that your film is in theatrical release, because that's what your goal is, and there's enough of a commercial prospect so the distributor's actually gonna take it to uh, a theatrical release, you've gotta do a whole analysis of what happens after that two and a half million dollars goes to the theater, because that two and a half million dollars goes to the distributor, that's not your money either. The distributor takes a cut to take a distribution fee. If the distributor spent uh, money on prints and ads, which they will do in order to get a five million dollar uh, domestic box office, they're gonna have spent that money, they're gonna recoup that first. Is there also gonna be a 10% add-on charge for the advertising they spent? Yeah, unless you're, 
yes, there will be a 10%. So there's going to be all of this calculation before you get your money. When you're talking to investors and you're saying to them, look, we've got uh, Ethan Hawke, we've got whatever, you know, <laughs> I used Ethan Hawke because he's in every best independent film. You know, uh, it, you know, you have a great cast. You have tremendous prospects for theatrical release. You're talking to your investors and saying, we're going to make your money back. And in fact, you're going to get your money back. You're going to get your 20% premium that Julie just said. And you're going to, well, first of all, you're not going to say that because you're promising you can't. But all of that enthusiasm has to be tempered with the reality of how the money flows. So make sure that you're an expert at it because when your investors come and talk to you about it, if you just kind of look at them with a blank stare that you're not really able to answer their questions, you're going to lose that investor right there. Anyway. I just want to speak for that because this is a little bit of a plug, but this is the very thing that my company does because we have seen this happen so many times. People don't really understand. It's not so much the lawyer's fault. They don't really understand what they're signing off on on a contract. They don't understand what all the implications are in terms of the timing of the cash flow, the possibility of the cash flow, um, and really understanding each of the markets. We do worldwide markets. We know the various players. We know what all these costs, what these distribution agreements, uh, all the definitions will look like, and then we actually check the accounting. We audit. We go and collect. It's a process that's so vital for filmmakers because at the end of the day, if the money doesn't come back, those investors aren't going to come back for your next film. You at least can send them reports. You can tell them what you're doing on their behalf, uh, how the film did, uh, what the economics are. You'll, you'll really be a very educated producer for your next film. It's really vital. So I really... Um, I, you either you have to get somebody that really knows it or you have to do a, it's a huge learning curve, so, but it's very, very important. Uh, we have uh, some time for questions, if anyone has any. Please. I can a little bit, and there's actually some information in the back of the room, but so basically under the Affordable Care Act, uh, certain employers are now required to provide health insurance. And so we as a company have actually uh, a program where we're actually now providing uh, health insurance to producers to be compliant with those rules. Those rules vary by the size of the production, the size of the employer, but again, we can tailor the, the insurance that's necessary to be compliant with those rules. And failure to be compliant does result in penalties to the producer slash the employer. How long does the production have to be uh, in existence in order for the laws to require you to carry insurance for your employees? There is a certain timeline. I just don't know that answer. Right. No, and the reason why I'm saying that yeah. is because if you're a producer and you're going to have, you know, four to five weeks of principal and you're going to have some pre and you're going to have some post, I mean, just look into this issue because that may be a short enough period of time for independent films that this doesn't, this isn't applicable. Sure. If you have a, you know, $30 million movie and you're going to have people employed for 12 months, I mean, again, I don't know that, I don't know the time period either, but it might be a very different issue. So it's just something to understand. But, but we have a whole team of people that focus on this area. So if it's an issue that you have or anyone else, feel free to reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with the right folks. Yes, sir. Um, 
you really have to stay on top of them. And it's really hard as a young filmmaker, very often you don't have the clout. You don't have a whole library of other pictures that they're distributing at the same time. So uh, what we do, um, you know, we first look at all the statements. In the statements, if you, if you know what you're looking for, there are various areas where there's a lot of spend before you even get, um, we, before you even recoup. So spend is, you know, all of the various quote-unquote marketing costs. There's a lot of costs that, that are slammed into pictures that um, there's not necessarily justification for. So we, we really look at the expenses first. But just getting the reports and getting them on a timely basis, it's the squeaky wheel. Uh, you know, you really do, it does help to really be on top of them let them know that there's somebody who knows what they're doing that's looking at these reports. And it's not necessarily an adversarial relationship, but you know, if you, a company like us, we, we know the various distributors, we know what things goes on, and they know that we know. So you really have to be very vigilant. Um, and you also have to be lucky that your film does well, because theatrical is a very tricky area nowadays, and we can't go too much into it, but. Uh, basically, it's very hard to recoup if you get a theatrical um, release, and so all the other sources of revenue are going to have to make up for that hole, and that's the big thing. So if we can at least look at the expenses on the theatrical, if there's a release where there's a lot of expenses, and cut those down, then maybe the hole isn't as big, and then you can maybe recoup. So that's just one area that you can stay on top of the distributors. I mean, w just uh, to add on to that, when, when you have a film that's been distributed and you get those statements, well, first of all, look at your distribution agreement and see when you're supposed to get those statements. If you're not getting them, then someone has to contact the distributor and say, hey, where's my statement? So that's number one. When you get a series of, also number two, if your film is doing well, that means it's being distributed and you're seeing income in, come in to the distributor, not necessarily to you yet. You also have to know that there's a time period in your distribution agreement whereby if you wait too long, you can't audit the distributor. So that's the second thing you have to know, what's in your distribution agreement. Third, when you look at these series of statements, there are um, auditors that regularly go into distributors, that, that there's some of them that have an office on each of the, the studio, uh, under the studio lots, just as an example. But even if it's not a huge distributor like that, they know the distributors. So you can go to an auditor, and there are a few that, are, that, that do this literally on a full-time basis. They don't do anything else other than audit, they can look at your statements and say, you know, look, you have a $2 million film and you've got a $4 million gross receipts. From my experience of doing this for 30 years, I can look at this and say, it doesn't make sense to audit. You're not gonna, you, no matter what I find, it's not gonna get you recouped. Don't spend the money on me. You may, in fact, go, the, 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 the auditor may say, well, hmm, you have a $2 million film, I got a $10 million gross receipts to the distributor, these expenses are odd, yeah. So again, understand, A, you don't want to wait too long because if there's real money coming in, you don't want to be precluded from auditing, and then find someone who can look at it and who's experienced enough to know this is worth spending some money, this is not worth spending some money. I also just, that's an excellent point. Um, on the smaller films, it is harder uh, auditing. It's a very tedious process nowadays. It's always been tedious, but it's, um, it's gotten, the studios have gotten much worse about it. Um, <laughs> it's known. Um, but I do want to bring up one other thing which people don't take into account, which is the timing issue of this revenue. Even if the distributors are timely and they're following their uh, obligations, 
they take their collections, the, let's say there's a theatrical release, by the time they collect box office and, and the rental, um, and the, by the time they actually report to you, there can be a huge span of time. And we're talking about a good six to nine months before they even are actually reporting it. And then they have usually, depending on your agreement, could be 30 to 90 days after the, the quarter end that they're gonna be reporting that to you. So sometimes it's almost like a year. And by the way, of course, they report the expenses before they report the, the uh, revenues. So you know, you'll be in the hall and you'll be waiting to get the revenue stream and it just takes a long time. I have filmmakers all the time saying, but, but it's doing so well at the box office. I'm like, where's the money? You know, So it's a hard thing. Foreign is even a greater delay. Yes. If your film was distributed foreign, you could have a year delay before that money comes in uh, from you know, the different territories into your US uh, distributor, even if it's a worldwide deal. Absolutely. Any other questions? Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you very much to Moses and Schreiber. Thank you, Ken. Thank you to our panelists. Uh, and at 4 o'clock this afternoon, instead of our regularly scheduled panel, at 2, we'll be having our afternoon panel, which will be sponsored by Entertainment Partners on production financing. So we will see you at 4 o'clock. Thank you, everyone.